1: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or
2: Android phone on demand. Hi, I'm Richard Gershon, the host of In Legal Terms and a professor at the University of Mississippi School of Law. If you miss a live In Legal Terms episode, find our podcast, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org.
3: Of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC. Today we have a special guest owned with us, we have Dr. Harrington-Own. She is a pediatric hematology and oncology, and she is also the wife to uh, Mr. Charlie Milton, who was on the show just before us. So, we're keeping it in the family today. Yeah, he's the car
4: coach. Yeah.
3: <laughs> so, we are so excited to have her own today. Um, I asked her to come on because we have a couple of special events going on. Um, one that's happening next week, actually, in the Jack an area that is going to be supporting her clinic in the children's hospital. Um, and so I thought today would be a good time to bring them on. Uh, we could talk some about the different fundraisers that we have and why it's so important to support these events. Um, and she has a couple more she wants to talk about and then we're just going to talk in general about some of the awesome things that they're doing at our children's hospital in particular with the cancer and hematology clinic. Um, they are currently in renovations to make it even better um, and so we uh, it's really the only place we have actually in the state to provide that care for our children so um, I think she's got a lot of good information to share and if you have any questions comments maybe you you have met Dr. Harrington or some of her partners and have had experiences there at the Children's Hospital, you can always send us an email as well to kids at org. So good morning. Thanks for coming on with us today. Good morning. Thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit about first you and what you do at the Children's Hospital and the um, hematology and oncology clinic and I think you're over the department now too Um, so she has some information about that and then just tell us a little bit about y'all's clinic and what y'all are doing there okay I'd love to so
4: I'm Dr. Betsy Harrington excuse me first and foremost I'm a pediatrician (laughs) so I went to medical school to be a pediatrician and then I um, did a special uh, training uh, in pediatric hematology and oncology so that's taking care of kids who have blood disorders or who have cancer and then I actually did another um, fellowship in pediatric neuro-oncology, and so I'm the primary provider for children in our state who have uh, brain tumors or spinal cord tumors. Uh, we wear lots of hats. Of course, we're a research and academic institution as well as clinical care, so I also work with trainees, medical students, pediatric residents, and uh, hematology oncology fellows who are, are going to do what I do for a living.
3: And she helped train me as well. I did. She's a,
4: she was a wonderful student. Uh, and then we also participate in the research mission. So we uh, we do lots of research. And we can talk about that a little more in detail if if you're interested. Um, our clinic is the only uh, comprehensive pediatric cancer center in the state. So we are the Children's of Mississippi Center for Cancer and Blood Disorders. So not only cancer, but we treat children with blood disorders and the most common blood disorder in Mississippi is sickle cell disease. Mm -hmm. And we follow over 900 patients with sickle cell disease. But we also see patients with lots of other blood disorders, low platelets, bleeding disorders, um, white blood cell disorders, so um, anemia. So we see lots of kids.
3: I think we already have a caller. Oh, good. And so we will go to Ms. Susan, who is in Brookhaven. Uh, Good morning, Susan. What's going on?
1: Oh, good morning. Good morning. Um, I have a question for the doctor, and I hope I'm getting this uh, abbreviation for this particular uh, childhood, um, I think it's her leukemia, PH-positive MML, I believe is, is the name of it. So I think
4: probably what you're talking about is pH positive ALL. right? Yeah. Yes. So ALL stands for acute lymphoblastic leukemia. And that's the most common leukemia that we see in children and also, fortunately, the most uh, curable uh, leukemia that we see in children. The Philadelphia chromosome is a little more complicated. It is an abnormality that we see in leukemia. It's a genetic problem that um, with some sophisticated testing now, we identify that. The good news is, is when we identify that disorder, we also now have a very targeted chemotherapy for that disorder. So it improves the outcome for children who have Philadelphia chromosome. That's a genetic problem in the white blood cells. Um, For children who have that, we have um, increased cure rates because we have improved therapy.
1: That is wonderful. I give blood regularly for a little uh, three-year-old child in my area um, when they have blood dried for them. And I, I, I don't – somebody had said that this was a chemo-resistant form of leukemia, and, and I didn't know whether that was correct or not. I, it's, it's out of
4: well, it used to be um, more worrisome because we didn't have the technology to discover the abnormality. And now that we do, we have the chemo for it. So it used to be more resistant because we we didn't know about it. We didn't know how to treat it. And now we do.
1: Oh, my gosh. That is wonderful. Your answer has just made my
4: day. Well, I'm glad. And uh, please continue to donate blood. Um, I will just go ahead and mention to everybody, Mississippi Blood Services um, recruits donors for our patients because they get so many blood transfusions they can develop antibodies to blood products, and they will um, get a group of donors for one patient and rotate those donors. And it's a great help to our children. So we encourage anybody who can to donate blood and platelets.
1: I have his number, like uh, if they don't call me for that specific blood drive, I have his ID that when my 65 or 55 days is up and there's not a blood drive in my area, I can go to a blood drive and specifically ask to donate for him.
4: Yes, and then if you want to share that information, uh, let the blood services know, and they can they can share that information, too, if his parents um, allow that.
1: Right. Thank you so much, and God bless you for what you do. Yeah, you
3: have a great day. Thank you, Susan, Thank for your call. Um, so before the call, you were kind of mentioning what you do at your clinic. And one of the things you mentioned was, um, research. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, I guess that was kind of a good segue into that because she mentioned, you know, asking about that specific chromosome, um, abnormality associated with the ALL and how we have targeted therapy for that. And I mean, I feel like that's happening all the time now, Yes. um, with leukemias, with some of our like organ cancers, lung cancers, those kind of things, we have and brain cancers, mm-hmm. uh, you know, mm-hmm. tumors. We have so much more targeted therapy, and that all happened because of research. So, um, can you tell us a little bit about that as well that y'all are doing?
4: Yes. So, we are members of Children's Oncology groups. So, uh, I always tell my parents that that's our tax dollars at work. So, it's a wonderful yeah. thing that that we all contribute to. Um, about twenty. 25 years ago, um, there were lots of different centers doing childhood cancer research, and there are still physicians who are doing their own basic and very early research, but we uh, learned that one way to really improve outcomes is to cooperate, so we have what's called cooperative groups. Only about 20,000 kids a year in the United States get cancer, so it doesn't sound like very much, and for any one center... Um, It's not a lot of patients, so if we pull our resources, um, we we can do a much better job. So that's exactly what we did. And so the National Cancer Institute um, asked that we all get together, the NIH, the NCI, and work together. So if your child is diagnosed um, in Atlanta or up in Boston or at St. Jude, um, we are all cooperating together in Children's Oncology Group. We come together as basic scientists and clinicians and come up with um, questions and ideas. We pull from the research labs, um, we work together in the clinic, and we apply new ideas, new drugs um, to a clinical trial. So, every child in Mississippi who's diagnosed with cancer, we hope to put on a clinical trial, Uh, and often, a clinical trial that you will be offered somewhere else is exactly the same thing you're going to get in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Um, some exciting things in children's cancer that we've learned through research is what causes cancer? What is the problem? What is the genetic abnormality? And researchers have come up with drugs that target that specific abnormality. So the treatment is not as harsh on the children's systems. Mm-hmm. Um, We've also begun to use immunotherapy Mm -hmm. and gene therapy, and those get really complicated, but we're doing all those things in Mississippi.
3: Yeah, which I think is awesome to think about because um – You know, I mean, I feel just like the national push is always St. Jude, which they do wonderful things. They absolutely do. They do fantastic things. But you get a lot of the exact same care here in Mississippi, which I think is so reassuring to hear. And um, not childhood cancer, but my dad did have cancer as well, a leukemia. And he had his treatment at UMC, too. And I just can't say enough about all of our uh, hematologists, oncologists, because I work with all of them in the children's hospital all the way to the adult side. And y'all just do wonderful things here. Um, Um, And I think it is so reassuring to know that everybody is getting the same treatment. We're all working together. Um, I remember hearing about that as a resident and thinking just how cool that was that, you know, everybody's doing the same thing. We're all Mm -hmm. working together. And so – just knowing that you're getting the same treatment and that treatment is available here in Mississippi too. Cause yes. again, my, my dad with the leukemia had the bone marrow transplant. Um, and just knowing that we were able to have our support here, um, is so important. You know, when your family is going through such a tough time, the fact that you can not have to leave the state means the world, you know, and having your family and your friends there to support you. So yes. I just think it's wonderful. Yes. Um, and I, I work, uh, I'm on the board for the Ronald McDonald House, too, um, and so we, we you know, have met some of the families that have utilized that, and some of them have been cancer patients, and so it's neat hearing their stories, too, because, you know, again, they were able to stay in the state and not have to travel out of the state. Their family, it's so much easier for their family to come mm-hmm. here, so I think that's great that I just wanted to make sure we plugged that, Yeah, and so
4: one other comment um, to make is through our research, um, back in the 60s, the cure rates for leukemia, for instance, were zero, close to zero, 20% most. Most children died. I was
3: about to say, it's kind of a death sentence, unfortunately.
4: And so for the most common forms of leukemia now, our children have 97% cure rates. Mm -hmm. So um, that has, has come through our efforts of research and collaboration.
3: Right. Right. We are talking today with our guest, Dr. Harrington, who is a pediatric hematology and oncology physician at UMMC. Um, she is actually the head of their department. And so she is here with us. September is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. And so, what better time to bring you on than to talk about this? We also wanted to make sure that we talked about some of the fundraisers that they have for the Children's Hospital and the Cancer Clinic. And one of those is next week. And so, we're going to talk a little bit about that as well so we were saying before the break how um, this is the only children's uh, the only <gasps> hospital in the state that treats children with um, significant blood disorders and cancers and so it is amazing that we have this resource here as I was saying before the break not so eloquently but I was trying to explain how awesome that is just because from experience, With my father having leukemia and requiring a bone marrow transplant, he actually had two. Um, The first one was here. It went wonderfully. Um, The second one, the insurance company tried to tell us that we had to go to a different state. We were able to finally make that work where he was able to get it at UMC again. And it's just so important that you're able to be able to do this locally. Um, You know, even if you don't live in the Jackson area, you're still a couple of hours away. And just how wonderful it is that we have these resources available. And uh, how reassuring it is, too, that you're getting the same treatment you would get anywhere. Um, Because... Everybody works together, as you were talking about, with the research. And um, so the fact that this is available in our state is just, is just great. So let's talk about how you can support that yeah, um, because, yeah. um, like we were talking about, it takes money for this. <laughs> and so uh, how the first one is the Sanderson Farms Golf Tournament, which is next week, October 2nd through the 8th. I mean, it supports children's—the uh, Friends of Children's Hospital—I think—is the actual one that it supports, but raises money for updates throughout the Children's Hospital, including the Cancer Center. Um, and then I think there's a couple of other ones too that you wanted to mention. Yeah.
4: So um, I'd also like to kind of give you an update on on some new renovations to the sure. Children's Cancer yes. Center and how these funds are used. Um, but uh, 180,000 children in Mississippi are served at Children's Hospital. Um, A number of those, of course, we follow 900 patients with sickle cell disease. We follow over 400 children with cancer. Um, So we serve a lot of kids, and we get a lot of support. Um, The new Sanderson Tower of Children's Hospital opened in 2020. And um, when some of the um, donors and visitors came and viewed that absolutely gorgeous facility, (laughs) if you haven't seen it, you need to drive by, you need to visit, Um, they said, well, we'd love to see the cancer center as well. So we showed them the center, and although it's very adequate and very nice, it was built in 1991 with help from the Junior League of Jackson. <clears throat> Pardon me, um, but it was 30 years old, and uh, we'd outgrown the space. Um, technology has also drastically changed, and we need services for our children. So um, some people quickly opened their pockets and donated um, for a clinic renovation, and I can tell you a little bit more about that later. But. Other ways that we receive funding, um, we get um, over, well, last year, the Sanderson Farms Golf Classic um, gave Children's Hospital or Friends of Children a million dollars. And since 2013, I believe the number I was given was they've um, contributed $15.7 million. So it's it's an absolutely fantastic opportunity to go out uh, and have some fun. Um, This is sponsored by Wayne Sanderson Farms and the Century Club Charities, um, and um, with help with Friends of Children's Hospital. You will notice if you go to the golf tournament, not only will it be fun to watch the golf, but um, there will be lots of faculty and staff from UMC. Uh, Children's Hospital, we volunteer our services. We man, uh, I get to be on the 18th hole, which is exciting, Uh, but we man the tournament. We help uh, even greet uh, anything we can be helpful Um, So that's one way. We hope that everybody will come out and support um, the uh, Sanderson Farms Golf Tournament.
3: And I looked at the weather because my husband is a huge golfer, so we go every year. Um, and obviously, we want to support the Children's Hospital, too. But it's actually going to be in the 80s next yes, weekend, be very too. nice. So I think it's going to be, obviously, it's probably not going to rain. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't had rain in forever. But the temperature is going to be in the 80s. I think it's going to be nice weather. So it's going to be perfect for everybody to come out and enjoy. Okay. Um, <clears throat> a sweet thing that happened this week, the uh,
4: Sanderson Farms Championship winner last year. Um, Mackenzie Hughes came to the children's hospital earlier this week and he um, taught some of or helped some of our children learn to putt yeah so it was very sweet that's fine so um, can I go ahead and talk about some other opportunities there are a few more Um, the city of Ridgeland Recreation and Parks is hosting a fundraising bike ride um, and it's called cycle out kids cancer. Uh, And that will be on Saturday, October the 14th at 7.30 a.m. There is a 65-mile, a 44-mile, a 25-mile, and a 10-mile road ride. Excuse me. There's also a Kids Fun ride that's available. There's a $30 registration fee and a little tab when you register that you can donate uh, for the Children's Cancer Center. So we'd love to plug that one. And then um, our Children's uh, Center for Cancer and Blood Disorders will participate in Jingle Bell Jog. It's always in uh, the first or second week of December. Um, and that is hosted by Southern, um, Southern, Ag, Southern Ag Credit. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> they've donated $30,000 uh, for the last uh, 10 years. Um, and those uh, funds go directly to our clinic renovation. So uh, we would uh, hope that everybody would go uh, to their website and sign up for that run as well.
3: Yeah, I've done that one in the past a few times. I think they do like a 5K, a 10K, and a half marathon. So yes. there's there's a whole big range um, of runs. So whatever you want to do. And it's, it's usually good weather and it's fun. Um, you can get a group together and wear some kind of... Um, holiday themed yeah that's what we did <laughs> yeah. that's what we've done in the past so and it's also really fun i think they have a fun run too yes, so for kids. the little ones so i've brought my little cousins with me too and um, we've done the fun runs and the 5k and 10k so um, it's a good time yes. it is it's yeah. a good time and it's in december so if you are a runner you know that's kind of usually the some of the best weather because it's colder and cooler so it's it's nice it's, yeah. especially if you're going long distances yeah so. festive so yeah, that's
4: fun. fun so there's lots of opportunities. People um, just make their own personal, or private donations um, through um, through the hospital, uh, and it can be uh, those funds can be um, directly directed to the to the area of your choice. Of course, I'd love to plug children's cancer <laughs> and blood disorders uh, through our fa- our foundation, our development office.
3: Yes. So, so speaking of your clinic, um, can you tell us a little bit of all the different things that y'all do down there? Because yes. it's yeah, uh, I know you've outgrown it, but there was lots of different things that y'all were doing now. Um, uh, you give infusions there. You give blood transfusions, uh, like infusions of medicines, blood transfusions. You have your own lab down there. Um, so just kind of explain a little bit about that, like what all you do in your clinic and why it's so important to make sure that it's up to date and state of the art.
4: Yeah, so we um, we take care of lots of kids with blood disorders, and sickle cell is a very big part of our program. We do a lot of sickle cell care and research as well, and we have a um, very vibrant um, sickle cell team. So we have nurses who are specialized in sickle cell care. We have doctors who that's their area of specialty. Sickle cell patients have a whole host of problems um, that go along with um, their blood disorder. Um, We have a chronic transfusion program. And we probably have 150 children um, in Mississippi who come to our infusion center, and they get a blood transfusion every month. Um, The infusion center in our previous clinic was just an open space, and we had um, infusions for blood and chemotherapy and platelets or whatever the child needed. Um, in our new center, there will be um, – let me actually look at the number. There are 20 semi-private infusion bays. Wow. We're so excited That's about That's very it. nice. Um, so the patient and their parents can kind of tuck themselves in a little infusion area. They'll have uh, a bed or a chair, a bedside table. But they'll also have some real sophisticated electronics mm. so they can uh, watch TV or do interactive-type work. Um, we have school teachers uh, in our clinic, So, in fact, we have them throughout Children's Hospital. But because our kids are at the clinic so often, um, we also try to keep them up to speed um, with their classmates. So they do their schoolwork while they're there. So it'll be really important. Um, Other things that we do, of course, we give chemotherapy on an outpatient basis. We give immunotherapy, which is a new way of treating cancer and other disorders. Um, So we need an infusion center, and our new infusion center will be much bigger. Um, Previously, we had eight exam rooms for all the patients that we see, and that's going to be increased to 14 full exam rooms so that we can see our patients. Um, Not only do we have school teachers, we have psychologists who help assess um, the cognitive and emotional needs of the patient and the families. Um, We have specialized chemotherapy nurses. We have specialized research nurses who that is their job. We have nurse coordinators who help coordinate care so that a child gets everything they need from a, from a really expensive or unusual medicine to medical equipment. Um, i trying to think of other things that we do. Um, child life. Yes. So we have child life specialists, and they are so valuable. Mm-hmm. They help children who are going through a very stressful time in their life. Um, mm-hmm. They work to help children through the emotional aspects of having to get a needle stick, or a port access, or just need something to do for their eight hours of chemotherapy. Mm-hmm.
3: Or hold graduation ceremonies oh, yes, and all the yes. other things that y'all have done down there in the in the hospital, too. So. Yeah, we have
4: a special ceremony that they coordinate for children who complete therapy, and it's called the bell ringing ceremony. Mm-hmm. I'm sure people have seen that in other places, but it's really special and meaning for children who finish their treatment.
3: Yeah. So you can see there's lots of moving parts, lots of people involved um, in these clinics. And so that is why the support is so important. So if you can, you know, come out and support some of these events, or if you can't make it, you can make a direct donation too. That would be awesome. So this is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. We are talking today with Dr. Harrington, who is a pediatric hematology and oncology physician at UMMC. September is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. And so we are talking today about their clinic um, and what all the amazing things they're doing over in their clinic in the Children's Hospital. Um, So we've talked a lot about all the different things that y'all are doing there at the clinic. So let's talk now about what are some of the things that you're seeing. So um, can you tell us a little bit about some of the more common cancers that we see and then some of the success rates because we've already talked some about the leukemia 97% cure rate which is amazing um, but tell us a little bit about some of the other ones. Okay
4: so um, I did want to plug too it's um, it's the uh, National Awareness Month for cancer but it's also the National Awareness Month for uh, sickle cell disease oh, so um, in our clinic you'll see us wearing yellow ribbons and also red ribbons okay. um, so we'll talk about both of those but as far as cancer the most common cancer that we see in children, Um, it's really kind of a tie between acute leukemia, which is um, cancer of the blood, the white blood cells, and also um, brain tumors. So we see about 4,500 cases of brain tumors and about 4,500 cases of leukemia in the United States per year. And it doesn't sound like a lot, uh, but it takes a lot of care to take care of those children and their treatment is uh, fairly prolonged. In Mississippi, based on our population, we get our fair share of of patients. So we get about 60 new diagnoses each year. So at any given time, there's probably 120 to 180 children in active therapy. Uh, With leukemia, the most common thing we see is acute lymphoblastic leukemia. uh, But we also see acute myeloid or myelogenous leukemia. That's more common in our teenagers, Uh, We also see some chronic leukemia, which is also more common in our teenagers. As far as brain tumors, the good news is uh, about 60% of them um, are more benign tumors. So often with surgery and chemotherapy, they are are cured, sometimes even with surgery only. Uh, The other 40%, unfortunately, are um, high-grade malignancies, uh, tumors that can spread throughout the central nervous system and can also recur even after they've been uh, removed and treated. So we are still actively working on that forty percent. We need to make progress. That's one area, unfortunately, where kids uh, we still have um, increased mortality uh, from brain tumors. Uh, but we're working on it. Sixty um, percent though are cured. Um, we see a lot uh, uh, other types of tumors that we see that are less common, but still uh, we see would be uh, tumors related to the kidney. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one tumor that occurs in the adrenal gland just on top of the kidney called neuroblastoma. And we also see Wilms tumor. Um, Wilms tumor is highly curable, and most children are cured. Mm-hmm. Um, neuroblastoma, when I first started in medicine, uh, we quoted cure rates of about 30%. Um, and now we're seeing um, m- most kids survive their neuroblastoma. And that's because of the things we talked about, different kinds of treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the past, we had cytotoxic chemotherapy. That's the chemotherapy that we all know about that makes your hair fall out, makes your mouth sore, can make your blood counts drop. But now we have immunotherapy in um, for treatment. And that actually targets um, the, and helps the immune system target certain markers on cancer cells like neuroblastoma. And um, so we have those children who are cured and don't relapse.
3: Yeah. And I feel like that's probably improved even from when I was in residency, it is. which was t- uh, 11 years ago. Yes, I correct. mean, because neuroblastoma was was not a great diagnosis then. They still didn't right. have, I mean, it was better than 30 percent, but I still feel like it wasn't that much better than thirty percent. So yes. that's amazing. You are correct. All right, we have a caller, so we will go to Renee, who is in Brandon. Good morning, Renee. What's going on? Hi there. How are y'all doing today? Doing great. Um, I had a question for
0: Doctor Harrington. I used to actually work in the Children's Cancer Center twenty something years ago. I know who you are. The- <laughs> Do you know? I, th- I think I know who no, you are. Exactly right. Yes. yes. Yes, worked there over 20 years ago, first floor, you know, before the Children's Hospital was even on top of it. (laughs) Tell me a little bit about what is going on in the laboratory services that take place there in the Children's Cancer Center. I know it has come so far. Yes. Since I was there, you know, 20-something years ago, you know, we were doing bone marrow biopsies, of course, doing checking the children's platelet count, doing CDCs. What's changed and and what's still the same? I guess, you know, just listening to you guys just made me feel nostalgic and how much of an impression that place left on my life and, those, you know, how much. I, you know they
4: were special, and I and I had a great experience working there. Yeah. So what's new, Doctor Harrington? I'll, I'll tell you, and I can tell you that uh, the impression that you make on those children um, is amazing. And so wow. the children, as you know, all uh, go through the lab services, right? And so they yes. know those ladies yes. uh, very well uh, and gentlemen. Yes. Um So the things, uh, some things that are still the same is we need a blood count immediately when the child gets there. It helps us to dictate care as far as their chemotherapy. Um, certainly helps us to make a diagnosis. But one thing that has significantly changed over the years is our ability to quickly diagnose um, leukemia. So certainly the lab tech can see an abnormal cell and bring that right to our attention. And that's why we rely so heavily on our uh, medical technologists. They're wonderful yeah. and we lean on them all day, every day. Uh, but when they yeah. let us know that there's an abnormality, we used to do all kind of special stains, and that took hours, yeah. and, then, and you yeah. had to interpret those. Um, we do bone marrow exams and send those over to the pathologist, and that takes several days for an interpretation. Right. But what we do now is called flow cytometry. Uh, and it, um, we, we did that, I'm sure, some, some years ago, but it's, uh-huh. um, much more sophisticated and easier to obtain. So we take a blood sample, um, they mix it with some radio labeled, um, markers or antibodies, and then uh-huh. those antibodies bind to the, blo- uh, the white blood cells. They run them through a, what's called a cell sorter, one at a time, and they can literally look at millions of cells at one wow. period. And they sort those out into a beautiful profile, and they can call us back within just an hour or two uh, and tell us the specific markers and the type of leukemia that we're dealing with. So we're able to give the parents information quickly. We're able to initiate treatment quickly. Um, Also, we are now heavily relying on cytogenetics and um, looking at PCR, which are some really sophisticated, yeah, mo- yeah molecular tests uh-huh, that the uh-huh. laboratory does for us. Um, that gives us information on how to stratify the treatment. So some kids need yes. less chemo than others. Some have markers like a, a caller who called in just a few minutes ago about a Philadelphia uh-huh. chromosome. When we pick yeah. those up on those tests, then we know how to um, tailor the treatment specifically for that child. Um, So, um, you know, the laboratory, the techs, are just vital parts of a child's treatment.
0: Right, right. I know, you know, that was 20-something years ago, and cytogenetics was a specialty. I mean, that was something we'd have to send off, and even the stains, you know, had to be sent off and things like that. So there was that wait period of, oh, my gosh, what is it going to be? You know, I am so, so thankful for you guys and what you do and the technology has come so far from what you know from what I'm hearing, and that you know that clinic, you those doctors, y'all are a treasure here in the state. <laughs> well, thank you. There is no doubt in my mind. Well, There's and we no say doubt.
4: we say that we stand on the shoulders of giants, and you're one of those giants. So thank thank you oh, for your well. for everything you've done.
3: Ah, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. So y'all have a great day. Thank you.
0: much i appreciate dr harrington
3: yeah thanks for your call thank you renee for your call Uh that's amazing i didn't know y'all could do flow cytometry in an hour uh, it, it,
4: it It's not always as quick as an hour, but, but it depends yeah, on uh, how that, many samples are lined up. Yeah. But we usually
3: can get results uh, by the end of the day, for sure. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. I feel like even that has changed, too. Because yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was like a thing that had to be sent off, used to. So
4: that's amazing. So one exciting thing that we're doing now through our research efforts and Children's Oncology Group is called Project Every Child. So every child that's diagnosed with a malignancy, blood, or solid tumor, is offered the chance to participate and we send samples to um, a central uh, lab who does molecular testing and what's called methylation profiling. Um, That's done through our tax dollars free of charge to the family uh, and provides valuable information for treatment.
3: Yeah, it's amazing. I I know uh some of this is over my head, too, as a, uh, you know, general pediatrician and internal medicine physician. Um, so I'm, I'm sure a lot of this can be overwhelming. But it's just amazing the strides that y'all have made. And, um, you know, the the targeted therapies, I can't stress that enough too, especially because uh, some of these targeted and immunotherapies are not true, like chemotherapies, too. And um, I've tried to explain that to some of the patients, you know, it's not, you know, you, uh, these are kind of different. I mean, they kind of similar, kind of different, you know, whereas our our chemotherapy kills a lot of cells. This is more geared towards specifically and the complexity that it takes to do these tests and the research, um, you know, the... the information that y'all gain from that is just invaluable. It's amazing. Um, so again, like you know, it's it's incredible what y'all are doing over there, and it's so important. I can't stress enough to support yeah, the children's yeah. hospital, and um, you know, make sure that you're you're supporting them. Go to the hosp- golf tournament next week. Go to the bike. Go to the run later in December. Um, because what y'all are doing is just incredible. And thanks, Renee, for bringing that up. Yeah. I don't I don't think you were expecting no, that call, no, but, a- but I think it was awesome. And I can't stress enough to that y'all really are doing amazing things over there. So,
4: so one other thing I'd comment our, um, that's improved is our radiation therapy too. So We have such sophisticated technology now mm-hmm. that can tailor radiation therapy so that we target the tissue that's abnormal, but we spare the tissue that's normal. And so we have a wonderful radiation oncology group um, in Mississippi at yeah. UMMC as well.
3: Yeah, Is it the same as the adult one? I don't even know. Is it the same group? They do all the same? S- same
4: group, but some of the Physicians who are specialized for pediatric radiation oncology.
3: Yeah. Okay. We are talking today with Dr. Harrington, who is a pediatric hematology and oncology physician at UMMC. And she is talking to us because it is... Uh, Childhood Cancer Awareness, and Sickle Cell Awareness Month. I did not know about the Sickle Cell Awareness. Yes. Um, And that's kind of what we're going to segue into talking about in our last little bit um, is the treatment advances that we have for sickle cell. We do have a caller on the line, so we will go to John. Good morning, John. What's going on?
2: Good morning. I want to note that you have not mentioned your name, so I've heard of Dr. Harrington, but not of you.
3: Oh, sorry. I'm Dr. McLeod. I'm the one that that hosts the show every Thursday. I guess I just assumed y'all got sick of me saying my name.
2: <laughs> no, but, you need to you need to to, to brand yourself. More. Yeah.
3: Well, so I'm Dr. I, Morgan McLeod. Say. So.
2: I have two questions. Sure. Uh, first one is, um, where does the Dr. C technology uh, impacting hematology, and what kind of uh, of uh, remedies and procedures do you see? Uh, Ten or twenty
4: years from now um so it's very exciting, and so much has happened in the last um, decade i can 't wait to see what happens in the in the coming decades but um for we've mentioned for cancer treatment uh, more targeted type therapies, helping our own immune system fight our cancer. And, um, of course, we have um, new and safer ways to do uh, bone marrow transplant or cellular oh. therapy. Um, we were just about to talk about sickle cell disease, but there's some really exciting things in sickle cell disease. Um, lots of, of ways we treat sickle cell disease, but one of the exciting things on the horizon is gene therapy. Um, and we also have something called a haplotransplant. So um, if you'll hang on and listen, we'll talk about that in just a minute.
2: Uh, if I can ask my other question with regard to um stem cell therapy, is that the same kind of stem cell therapy that they're doing research on for joint replacements and things like that?
4: I'm sorry for what
3: for joint replacements
2: oh,
4: joint replacements. Um, you know yeah. I'm a pediatric cancer doctor. I don't know the answer to that
3: I, okay well, yeah McCloud may have
4: yeah, Dr. McLeod may have some information.
3: I don't know a ton about it. I've just seen a, I've actually had one patient that had it done, um, for her knees, um, it wasn't successful, unfortunately, and it yeah. ended, uh, ended up yeah. having a replacement, um, a full yeah. knee replacement. But, um, so I don't know a ton about it. I know there is a lot of research going on, um, with that. Um, but I'll have to ask, I'll see if I can get back to you. I have a friend who's an orthopedic surgeon and I can ask him a few questions about that. And, um, I'll try to give y'all an update in the next week or two. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for your call. Yeah, it might be
4: a good topic for another show.
3: Yeah. <laughs> um. So tell us a. I will. – let's go to our, our caller real quick because he actually has a sickle cell question. Okay. And then we'll finish that about the gene therapy because I do want to talk about that yeah. and the transplants yeah. too. So we'll go to Bill. Good morning, Bill. What's going on?
2: Hey, good morning. Um, I heard you mention that this is um, National Sickle Cell Week or –
4: Aware- yeah,
2: Awareness I'm, Month. And um, I, I just wanted to uh, impart an a, a interesting fact that my father, who is a pathologist, told me a long time ago that the reason sickle cells are shaped like a sickle was because it was an evolutionary defense mechanism that the um, um, blood cells of the natives of Africa that were exposed to malaria... Um, the cells formed into a sickle because it was a defense to malaria.
4: You are, you are correct on that. Mm-hmm. So um, patients are, are sickle forms uh, are more resistant to malaria. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, you mentioned Africa and, and that area of the world. And so the African-American population, um, that is where we see this um, abnormal gene and sickle cell disease.
2: Well, you know it's a terrible disease, but um at least they've got immunity to malaria,
4: yeah, unfortunately, we don't see much malaria
3: in Mississippi, <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, that's all, yeah, yeah, thanks for calling, yeah, I remember learning that in med school, yeah. that yeah. was one of the yeah. the things was that it was uh, they think it was probably something evolutionary, like he right, said as a protective measure, um because people with sickle cell can't get malaria, yeah so. it
4: would be interesting um, to go read about it yeah, that's true,
3: okay, we've got a little bit of time left, so speaking of sickle cell because yeah. we have a i don't know the numbers, but I'm sure it's crazy numbers with how many patients that we have unfortunately in the state of Mississippi with sickle cell um, because it is a very prevalent disease um fortunately, it is on our newborn screening, so we're able to catch patients pretty right. quickly right away with it. Um, and for that, we're able to get them plugged in with your clinic. Um, and then we have transitional clinics that go through ch- childhood into adulthood because, thankfully, we have come a long way with treating sickle cell and our patients are living into adulthood now. Um, and so tell us a little bit because we can actually potentially cure sickle cell now.
4: That is correct. Um, so
3: that is huge. Yeah, huge. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah.
4: So sickle cell disease um, is an inherited Red blood cell disorder. So um, patients who have sickle cell disease are born to parents who are both sickle cell carriers. We have two genes for sickle cell. And um, those who have inherited one abnormal hemoglobin from their parent, um, that's called sickle cell trait. And those um, people, fortunately, are asymptomatic. Um, But if the trait is passed from both parents to the child, the child will have sickle cell disease. And basically, their red blood cells under stress um, deform and become misshapen in a sickle form. Um, they stick together. Um, they decrease blood flow in vessels. And then when they rupture or hemolyze, they damage the vessel. So then they're scarring and narrowing. And it's just kind of a vicious cycle. So any tissue in the body or organ or brain uh, that receives blood supply can be damaged. Mm-hmm. Um Many years ago, before I started in medicine, um, children, um, because they um, they infarct their spleens, they're susceptible to infection, uh, they died of infection. So now just simply putting them on daily penicillin, we've had um, significant increase in lifespan. Um, because we have therapies that can increase um, other forms of normal hemoglobin, we can put them on some oral medicine called hydroxyurea that um, improves their overall condition. Um, We give blood transfusions. But the exciting things now is we can do a bone marrow transplant and we can replace those abnormal blood cells. A bone marrow transplant is a big deal. Um, it, It costs a lot of money. There are lots of risk. And in order to do it, you need a matched or in the past, you needed a matched brother or sister. Um, a fully matched um, sibling. Now we can do transplants with only a half match. So they can have a, a sibling who's not a complete match or even a parent. And we're doing that now at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, Children's um, Cancer and Blood Disorder Center. Um, and we're having really great results. But um, there's also now on the horizon something called gene therapy. Um, It's very complicated, but we actually edit some genes, give it back to the patient, and then they're able to make their own normal blood cells. This costs about a million dollars per patient. Um, So getting this funded is very difficult. There's lots of things going on in the background now to to make this available in Mississippi, but it'll be a potential cure and well worth the million dollar investment. For sure. For yeah. sure.
3: Unfortunately, sickle cell is a chronic disease it is. and uh, kids and adults are in and out of the hospital with complications from sickle cell. So yes. if we could cure this, yes. it is well worth the investment. It is. So, it is. Yeah. Well, you have taught me a lot. All I right. didn't even know <laughs> about some of these advancements that y'all are able to do. So uh, thank you for sharing that with yeah, all thank our Thank you for raising too. awareness. Yeah. So, yeah, next week is the uh, Sanderson Farms golf tournament that does benefit Friends of Children's, which will go directly back to our Children's Hospital and our Kids Cancer Clinic. So, go out and support it. And thank you so much for coming yeah. on with us today. Thank you for having me. And thank you all for listening and for calling. We appreciate it. I will try to get back to you all about that gene therapy. Um, this has been Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. It's a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and generous support from listeners like you. Today's show was engineered by Abram Nanny. I'm Dr. Morgan McCloud. Join us next Thursday at 11.
1: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit MPBOnline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.